Amen and amen. Welcome back to another amazing service here at God Squad Church. We're so, so excited that you are with us today. It means the world to me uh, that you would choose to come here on your Saturday, your Sunday, wherever you are in the world and give up uh, some time in your life to be able to gather together uh, for the mission. We have a mission here that's grand at God Squad Church, and that's to help gamers come to know God, to experience community, to be able to discover the purpose that God has given them, and then to make a difference with that purpose. And so I'm so thankful that you chose to be here and celebrate in that mission with us and be a part of that. It means the world to me. If you're new here, welcome. Super excited that you're here as well. Um, my name is TJ. For those that don't know, uh, I am our leadership development pastor. I sit on the lead team here at God Squad Church. Uh, and try to help navigate the church in whatever ways that we can together. So today we're continuing on our journey in Luke 2, 39 through 52. Um, and as we read through these scriptures, uh, you know, I've told you guys this is a journey for me and we're, we're learning new things uh, together. And um, as we're reading through the scriptures and we're breaking the scriptures down verse by verse, uh, I want you to really take a moment and try to place yourself and what it might look like to be in um, the ancient Near East and you know what this could have looked like for the people that were there in that time period. And I believe God's words are not only from the, for then, but they expand and they're for now. Um, but one of the things I do think we lose sometimes is the translation of culture. Being able to understand uh, what was happening in that moment and why it was the way it was. You know, for us, cake might look like this. But cake back then might look far differently. And so as we explore through Luke 2, 39 through 52 today, um, and we break down the scriptures, I just pray God moves in you. I pray that you 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 get what he's trying to speak to you through these scriptures, that more so than anything I can ever speak, the scriptures speak for themselves. Uh, I'm just here to try to help enlighten some context around them. And so I just pray that... Um, yeah, we, we all move one step towards Jesus today. So let's break down the scriptures. Luke 2, 39 through 52. The families returned to Nazareth. In verse 39, when they had completed everything according to the law of the Lord, we talked about that last week, what the law of the Lord was. Um, Jesus had to go there and basically it was his becoming a man ceremony. Um, for them, they had to slaughter a, uh, slaughter a lamb, or in their case, they slaughtered birds um, in order to make a sacrifice for him to basically be confirmed uh, as part of, you know, Jewish tradition. And so now they're moving on and they return to Galilee uh, to their own town of Nazareth. And the boy grew up and became strong, filled with wisdom, and God's grace was on him. In his father's house in verse 41, it says, Every year his parents traveled to Jerusalem for the Passover feast. When he was 12 years old, they went up according to the custom of the festival. After those days were over, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but his parents did not know it. Assuming he was in the traveling party, they went a day's journey. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem to search for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astounded at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? 
Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. In verse 49, Jesus replies, Why were you searching for me? He asked them. Didn't you know that it was necessary for me to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he said to them. And then in verse 51, it says, Then he sat, he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. His mother kept all the things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with people. All right. Cool story. Interesting story. The the, the major things here in this story that I, I kind of connect with is the fact that um, this is the only time that Jesus has really talked about in his adolescent years, right? We, we go from Jesus the baby to Jesus the 12-year-old to Jesus adult ministry. And so it's a really interesting scripture verse to kind of give us a glimpse into the development of who Jesus was. Um, but there's some major things that stand out and we're going to jump into those in a little bit, but I kind of was thinking, you know, have you guys ever been in a place where you like are walking around the house diligently and you're looking for that one thing, you know, like I'll have my hat on and I'll be like, and I'm like, man, I really, 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 really need my hat. I need it. I, I just, I like, you know, we're going out right now. My hair looks a mess. I just need my hat. Like Jack, have you seen my hat? Uh, Aria, uncle, have you, have you guys seen my hat? And like, I'm like, no, I haven't seen. And then like, they'll look up and, and I'll be like, oh, that, the hat's on top of my head. You guys, I've done that with keys before. I've literally had keys in my hand. Okay. So I'm sitting here jingling these keys. And I'm like, man, I just can't find my keys anywhere. I don't know. Did you check your pockets? And like, I'll reach into my pockets. Don't feel them. And I'll be like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, you got to be joking. And I'm sure like, maybe you haven't had that severity of issue happen. Maybe I'm going through something, but maybe you've been playing like Minecraft. And this is a great example of this because I've been playing Minecraft before and I have built like the coolest house, man. I've got a redstone factory happening. I mean, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm doing my thing. And then I'll venture out and I'll go out and I, you know, I'll find one, like, one of those temples with the little people. And I'll be like, wow, dude, can you imagine? Like, look at this place. And then I'll keep going. I'm like, what else is out here in this grand wide world? And then I won't be able to find what I built. I literally, I mean, I've, I've searched. I've taken hours to search for sometimes a build that I made and it's gone. I, I just don't know. What did I do with it? What happened? Maybe if you drive a little deeper into that, maybe you're like, I know, man. Daylight, like, I know I mined 11 diamonds. Like I know I had 11 diamonds in my, in my, in my stuff. Like, like I cannot find it. And you're like looking through all your chests and you can't find it. You can't find it. And then you realize it's just like hidden in the corner of your inventory. And you're like, oh my goodness, dude. Like, and it was there all along. You were searching diligently and it hadn't left where it was. It had continued to be in the same place, but instead of it moving, it was your own perspective. It was you searching and missing it. My wife tagged me in a post last night and uh, it's, it's insanely true. I will open up the refrigerator and been like, has, has anybody seen the jelly? Has anybody seen the ketchup? And everybody's like, yeah, yeah, dad, there's ketchup in there. there you know, TJ, there's ketchup in there. I do not see it. Like my daughter will walk over or my wife will walk over and they'll just like grab it out of the door and hand it to me. 
But then like the funny thing is like with gamers, right? I'm like, you can't find the ketchup in the door, but hey, we got a sniper 400 yards away in the woods, under the brush, <laughs> in the building. <laughs> and we like zone and we know exactly where they are. It's all our perspective. It's all our ability, you know, our desire, right? Like I don't care about the ketchup in the fridge. I just wanted it at that moment. But man, I really care that I hit that sniper 400 yards away and I can go collect this gear in Tarkov. You know what I mean? Or that I, I get to, you know, help my friend not die because he's in the middle of an open field and all of a sudden I see like a reflection and I'm like, oh, not today. And my wife has literally heard me on, on the mic. You know, she, she's heard me yelling out these call outs like, yeah, we got a guy up in the back. He's, he's laying down like she's like, what? but you can't find a bottle of ketchup. Sometimes we miss what we're searching for. And a lot of times it's because it takes a backseat to the priority of what we're doing. And as we jump and we break down each of these scriptures, I want you to keep that in mind. When they had completed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the boy grew up, became strong and filled with wisdom and God's grace was on him. This is a very pointed scripture. What Luke is trying to do here is set up the idea that Jesus is growing into the man of God he was meant to become. Right? And it's always odd because sometimes when we talk about Jesus, it's as though we're talking about a separate God and then Jesus God. But the truth of the matter is just the way he manifested on earth created a separation in our own minds, not in actual, in reality, but it created a separation in between understanding for us because Jesus often prayed to God the Father, but he himself also assumed authority of being God on earth. But so these are really, really important statements when it says he became strong, filled with wisdom, and God's grace was on him. Because it's starting to build the story of who Jesus was. It's writing down exactly who he was becoming. In verse 41, it said, Every year his parents traveled to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. And they did this when he was 12 years old. This was immensely important. There was a, a, a Passover festival that, you know, people would come from all over the place to become a part of. And you got to imagine Jerusalem would be filled with thousands and thousands of people. And it was, you know, their thing. It was, it was, the, it was the thing that mattered. And it all came from the story inside of uh, the Old Testament, inside of uh, the story of Moses. And where basically the people would put the, the lamb's blood above their door uh, when one of the plagues was hitting. And if they had that, the plague would have left them alone. And so what it was is this, this uh, festival was the recognition that God had been there for them, that he had covered them, he had saved them in that time. And so everybody came to these festivals. The Jewish, uh, the Jerusalem Passover festival was huge. It really, really mattered uh, to Mary and Joseph. It would have mattered to the people in that time period. And then it goes on to say when he was 12 years old. And his age is important. And you don't actually often hear Jesus' age mentioned or, or, or um, talked about a lot. But it's pointed in this part because this is what, what, is, what Luke's trying to get across. To have a young man or woman that was being developed, like when he said they were, um, he was becoming strong, filled with wisdom, and God's grace was on him. And then he said he was 12 years old. He's pointing to the fact that this is an extraordinary child. He's actually placating off of a general thing that would be known to the Gentiles. And that would be the idea of the same thing that they used to say about Augustus, 
who was Julius Caesar's nephew who he adopted. And so what he's doing is he's showing the same formality happening in Jesus that these people all praised and someone else, they would have known the story of the great Augustus, the, the great, the great boy who was intelligent, who did the, you know, the sacrament for his, um, his aunt's funeral. Like they would have known of this great boy. And so Luke is using this mirror to be able to show the greatness of Jesus by showing that, oh yeah, and Jesus is only 12 years old as well. Just like Augustus was praised when he was 12 years old to be well-learned and smart and wise. And in verse 43, it says, After those days were over, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. But his parents did not know it. Assuming he was in the traveling party, they went a day's journey. All right, some of us are like, what? Like, how could you go a day without knowing your kid is missing? Like, like in our American mindset, where we have like, Solo or duo, right? Mom and dad, ownership over our child's lives, our responsibility. It's us. We are the ones. It's it's mom, dad, you know, daughter, son, daughter, daughter, son, like whatever. But it's us. It's a family unit. We care for each other. No one else is responsible. Not even grandma, not even aunt, went, like no one else is responsible. I am solely responsible. Then this story is weird. Like there's no way that these people could have been so aloof that they just lost their kid. Better yet, lost the son of God. Someone that they knew was the destined Messiah. Like, like you know what I mean? They had literally, the, you know, the golden trophy itself of a, of a kid. And they just like, ah, don't know where he is. Like, no, that's not exactly what happened here. What happened, and when it says, assuming he was in the traveling party. See, this is important. All of these people were returning back home to their individual cities that are scattered around, coming from Jerusalem. And oftentimes when you traveled in the ancient world, you did so in caravans. And it was so important that you did this because of thieves, because of robbers on the road, because of disease that could strike. Like, there's so many different ways. You could run out of water. You could have spilt your, you know, your, your food rations like, and somebody else could help. It was very, very important. And communal living was how they did life. It was everything to them. And so it wouldn't have just been you or I that was responsible for our kid. It would have been the village. And ultimately they knew it was their final responsibility, right? Like I'm sure like the caravan didn't turn around for them. You know what I mean? They might've, and I'm sure friends and family might've, but for the most part, they kept going and they had the personal responsibility to go find what happened to their son, Jesus. But so when you understand it in that light, when you can have a, a, a good understanding of, oh, okay. Like this wasn't just like a solo responsibility. It was everybody was responsible. Just like Mary and Joseph would have been responsible for other people's kids. And the other elderly people that might have been. Like you took responsibility because you were a community and because you cared. That should hit you somewhere else. Because you're in a community and you should be caring. And just because it's not your responsibility doesn't mean you shouldn't be there for someone. It doesn't mean you shouldn't be watching out. And so they assumed, though, that he was just in the traveling party, which would have been no very normative. The kids would have been maybe playing off the side, running around as this caravan slowly moving. And then they went a day's journey. And now as they realize when they go around 
their relatives and their friends. It says, then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. Something was off. They're like, all right, we haven't seen Jesus in too long. Like, this is odd. You know, we might see our other kids. Like, I don't see, G- where's Jesus? And they're asking the different people and no one's seen him. And when they didn't find him in this caravan, they returned to Jerusalem to search for him. And after three days, they found him in the temple. I find this significant. And I can tell you, I do not know if this is what God meant. But after three days, there's another event within the Bible that talks about after three days, Jesus rose from the dead and it was stamped that he was the savior. Keep listening. They found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all those who heard him were astounded at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, and we'll get to that in a second. Jesus was basically sitting with the boys. And when I mean the boys, he was sitting with these older men, (laughs) these teachers, and he was asking them hard questions. He was grilling them about the, the yoke that they taught, right? The teachings that they had, the things that they were saying. He said, but what about this? And, you know, we see some of this in Jesus' later ministry where he expounds upon the understanding people have of the scripture. When he says things like this, if your brother was sick, would, would you not find him a doctor on the Sabbath? And it makes people think because they're taken from what this law regimented thing says, and they have to dig deeper into care. They have to dig deeper into what is the Lord's heart in this? What is the purpose behind the written law? A lot of times what happened in ancient Israel is people began to align themselves with the letter of the law and everything to that letter needed to be exact. And that's what mattered. But the thing that Jesus did is he drilled down to the heart of God and why those things were the way they were. And I believe in this moment, as Jesus is teaching these men of the law, these learned men, they're astonished because he's opening up an avenue of revelation that they have never thought of before. And he's asking them questions that they have never been asked before. He says, all those who heard him were astounded at his understanding and his answers. He had a depth of understanding the scriptures and the heart of God that no man in that place understood. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. Now, I don't know if this is like an amazement. Oh, look at my glorious son. Or if it was astonished, jaws dropped that their son's sitting in the temple when they had hiked a day away, been looking for him for three days, and he's just sitting there, well, good sir, let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about God the Father's heart. Like, I don't think that, I don't think that they were happy. I don't think this wasn't like an awe, like, wow, we're so impressed with our son. I think it was a, boy, you're about to get a whooping. (laughs) Like, 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 where are you at? They were astonished. And you, you know why I think that is because the following scripture verse. Son, why have you treated us like this? I do not think, and I think mother Mary was probably a pretty beast, you know, Jesus's mother was probably awesome, man. But I, for some reason, do not see her being like, son, why have you treated us like this? 
she's like, boy, <laughs> so why are you, why have you done this to us? What are you doing? We've anxiously searched all over for you. You and your father, we've searched the entire caravan. We asked every single one of your relatives. We talked to every friend. We've searched Jerusalem. We've done laps. Why would you do this to us? And Jesus replies like this. And I don't think he was frantic. And I do believe it was the calmness you would guess. Meeting his mother's anxiety, her fright, her fears, with the simple answer, why were you searching for me? Why were you searching for me? Didn't you know that it was necessary for me to be in my father's house. A better words there, instead of to be in my father's house, is to, didn't you know that it was necessary for me to be about my father's business? The word house in the Greek there is actually talking about an authority. Didn't you know that it was necessary for me to be where I could take my father's authority? And I believe in that moment, there was a real astonishment. Because they should have known. They knew who Jesus was. It should have been the first place they went to. If he was so familiar with the teachings of the law and he was so learned and understood, Jesus didn't, this wasn't the first time he was at the temple. He'd been there before. And in my guess, it's a place he loved to be. When other kids were out playing and throwing rocks maybe in, in the sea of Galilee, I believe Jesus was probably studying the scriptures. He was sitting around the tables of those that were mature in their faith. Because it's so natural for him to be in his father's house, doing his father's business. It was almost like a predication of, you should know this, you know me. You know who I am. Wouldn't you think this is where I would be? Why would I be anywhere else? And he didn't do it with a slight in his voice, I don't believe. I don't think he did it with a, Duh, dummy. But I think he did it with a conviction of you were searching in all the wrong places. You knew exactly where I'd be. It said, but they did not understand what he said to them. This is weird to me that they didn't understand what he's talking about. And it's almost like over the last 12 years of his life, you know, even in the past, like a couple, couple of years where Simeon had just said a blessing over him, like they all understood his purpose. They knew he was the Messiah. So what were they confused about? What didn't they understand? Maybe it was the festivities that they had just got done with and 
They're just moving on in life, right? And this reminds me of our Christian lives. It reminds me of the day you got saved and that joy that you felt in your heart, that burning passion to serve Jesus. And how so clearly you understood the mission in that moment. But then a few years go by and you can't really remember what God spoke to you. You can't really remember what your father's business was about. You can't remember the promises he made. It's because you distanced yourself in one way, shape, or form. You distanced yourself from the purpose he set you on. Mary and Joseph knew their mission, but they forgot it in this moment. And then the scripture says, Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. His mother kept all these things in her heart. Oftentimes we refer to as we've gone through Luke that Mary took these things and she downloaded them. And I think when she says that she's kept all these things in her heart is she was making a record of all the amazing things that were happening in Jesus' life. All the amazing things that were happening because of him. All the amazing things that were happening to him. All the miracles. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God. And with people. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with people. Luke includes again, this Jesus, he matches Augustus. Actually, he's greater than him. And he grew in favor because he's so great. And what I find interesting here is, then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. This is so important because Jesus realized that his obedience mattered more than his rightness. And that will 10 times out of 10 in every situation you're in in life be one of the hardest things for you to navigate. Because you might sit there in front of your parents and be like, but I'm right. You might sit there in front of your boss and say, but I'm right. But your rightness does not precede your obedience. And it's seen in the scripture verses over and over and over and over again Rather be obedient than right. And that's hard for us to do. Specifically in America, right? America, land of the free. I don't need to be obedient, no one. Like, learning to submit your heart. Even when you knew what you were doing was right. Jesus modeled what it looked like to walk with meekness. To walk humbly. Imagine being God and having a bedtime, though. I'm going to be honest with you. If I was God, I don't know. I don't know, man. Could you imagine? Mary and Joseph like, it's time for bed. You know who I am? <laughs> like, this entire story is 
sums to me that there was two people searching for an answer they already knew. But in their franticness, within the loss, within the, the loss of the mission, they lost Jesus. So my question today is why are so many Christians still searching for Jesus when they already know where he is? Why are so many Christians searching for Jesus when they already know where he is? One, I think we lose focus and we succumb to following everybody else. Think about it in the story. If Mary and Joseph were alone, they wouldn't have lost him. It would have been their responsibility. I'm not saying it's wrong that they were with people. But if you let people distract you or pull you away from your purpose, that's a different story. When you allow people to say, do this and do that, or follow this or follow that, and you aren't able to find your own truth in that. You're not able to clearly see the picture of God in your life. There's a problem. We replace the voice of God with the voice of others' opinions and guidance. And like I said, I'm not saying that others' opinions and guidance isn't helpful. But when you replace the voice of God in your life, by relying on others. You done messed up. Number two is I think we, I think we get to a place where we expect others to just take care of our responsibility. Take care of the things that matter most. We just kind of delegate it off. So the things that matter most to you, you're like your personal relationship with God. You delegate that to a pastor. You delegate that to a book. You delegate that to someone else praying for you. Rather than meeting God face to face, I'm not saying coming to church and listening to a pastor is a bad thing. I'm not saying having people pray for you is a bad thing. But what I'm saying is when you've substituted that for your entire relationship with God, you've gone astray. When you are not spending time with Jesus, you've gone astray. You know, and the thought is my pastor will teach me the word of God or my small group will, will, will lift me up in prayer. That's not good enough. Just like Mary and Joseph. They put their responsibility on everybody else. Right or wrong in their culture, it doesn't matter. But it was the fact that the greatest responsibility in their life, stewarding the Messiah, they lost them because they expected someone else to fulfill that duty for them. Number three, 
of why are so many Christians still searching for Jesus when they already know where he is? I believe it happens when we allow ourselves to be our own God and we end up being led in all the wrong places. Mary and Joseph were searching for three days because they'd allowed their anxiety and their fear, their trepidation, their worry to consume their journey. And instead of thinking clearly, they took it upon and thought out with their emotions, their feelings, and they let that cloud what they knew. They allowed their emotions to be their God. And you can see that by Jesus' reply. You know where I am. And when we do that and we choose to captain our own ship, when we choose to make our own decisions, and we say, we're surrendering to ourselves, not to God, guess what? You end up lost. And you end up in rough waters. Or running around a dusty city for three days. Number four, we forget about the mission and the things God has already spoken to us. Why are so many Christians still searching for Jesus when they already know where he is? It's because we've placated the mission. We've forgotten like Mary and Joseph forgot about the blessing from the angel that came down or from Simeon or Anna or the countless stories they probably had of people, ta people talking about the Messiah. But somewhere along the, 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 the journey, they missed it. They forgot about the mission and the things that God had spoken to them. And somewhere along the journey, if you've strayed off the path, if you're like, TJ, my life just isn't where I thought it should be. You know, I still deal with all of X, Y, Z. I'm still every single day facing bitterness. You forget, you've forgotten the things that God spoke to you. You forgot the path that he has paved for you. You're missing it somewhere and you need to realign. The still small voice, God that spoke to you on the day you gave your heart to him and you surrendered to him is still the same God that has not moved. He is still sitting in the temple teaching, right? He is still in the same place, just a literal ask away. Jesus never moved. He still was in the same place. And God in your life has not moved. He's still the same God. He's still in the same place. He still yearns for a relationship with you. And you can kind of think of it like a marriage that went cold. Like a friendship that got distant. And you can imagine with the heart of God and how it breaks. Because he wasn't the friend that stood you up. He was the friend that waited for you the next day. But we've been in a perpetual cycle of standing him up. God hasn't gone anywhere. He's right where you left him. 
My challenge is simple for you today. Pick up your Bible this week and read. Take 10 minutes and seek the face of God daily. Don't forget where you left him. Don't forget and get lost in the crowd. Don't put your responsibilities of your relationship with God on someone else. Don't forget where you've come from. Don't be prideful enough to think you can master and lead your own ship. Take time and pray. Daily, you need to be connecting with God. You know what makes your problems seem insignificant? They seem smaller. They hurt a little bit less. Is when you've spent time with the King of the Universe. When you've spent time with your Lord and your Savior. Because when you've been conversing with God in your mornings, everything else just seems smaller except the things that matter that become more significant and you start to push out the junk and make place for the things that matter my challenge for you Christian is to start to daily read your Bible start to daily pray if you want the prescription that's it no matter how many times I get before you and I talk that will always be the answer. It'll be spend time personally with God and then spend time with de in deep relationships. It's just that simple. That's what every person needs. You might be here and not be a Christian. You need that too. Because everything you're looking for and everything you've been searching for is found in a deeper relationship with God. I'm going to pray for you. Father, I just pray, Jesus, that as we move in our relationship with you, and whether we've got lost in the crowd and allowed others' opinions and direction move us from our purpose, or we've taken the responsibility of our relationship and placed it on other people. Or Lord, we, we, got, we got prideful enough to step into the, the captain seat of our own ship rather than letting you be the captain. Or Lord, we've just forgotten of the place that you've brought us from, who you've formed us to be. I pray, Lord, you speak to hearts today. And that those that have been running down the wrong paths, God, those that know you, that have just kind of drifted off, I pray, God, you'd refocus them today. And they would come back with a burning passion and desire. See the great things of God. To see you glorified and to see people move closer to you. That the mission would burn deep in their heart. 
And Father, for those that don't know you, I pray you'd move them one step closer to you. That they may come to know you. Lord, pray you would move today. Jesus, I pray you would move and give peace. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen, amen, and amen. Church, if no one's told you they love you today, we here at God Squad Church, we love you with our whole hearts. See you soon. What a, what a powerful, powerful message that God gave to Pastor Daylight today. Um, man, I don't know about you guys, but that was powerful for me. Um, and we're going to take a moment right now. And for those of you that don't know Jesus Christ, or maybe somebody needs to rededicate their life, get their life refocused where you can find Jesus again in your life. We're going to give you guys an opportunity in just a minute to do so. Pastor TJ today was talking a lot about how a lot of times we lose that focus and he gave multitude of reasons why we lose that focus on Jesus, whether it's we're, you know, commanding our own ship or maybe we're relying on other people to be praying for us. And that's essentially where our, where our relationship with Jesus Christ stops and it doesn't go any farther. But then he also talked about those that don't know Jesus Christ either. Those that, those that have never accepted him into their lives. I want to tell you right now that Jesus loves you so, so much. He came to this earth specifically with a mission. He did not forget that mission while he was here. He lived a pure, perfect life. And he went to the cross because he was thinking of you. He thought of each and every single person that's in the chat right now. He thought of each person that came into the chat before. He thought of you. And he went to the cross and he went there because he knew and thought that you were worth it. And after he died on the cross, he rose from the dead, dead showcasing that nothing could keep him down, that nothing could keep him into, in, in the grave. And when we accept Jesus Christ into our hearts, that resurrection power that he has, has been given to us because of him. When he spilled his blood that cleanses our hearts when we accept him so that all the sin that's in our lives, it's all washed away. It's all clean. We don't have to worry about it anymore. We don't have to, we don't have to do something there's no amount of good works that you can do to cleanse yourself. The only thing that we can do is to grasp hold of Jesus and his saving power and his saving grace. And so I want to give you an opportunity today, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ into your life and you want to have that opportunity, you want to ask him into your life, we're going to give you an opportunity today to do that. But also, like I said before, we want to give you an opportunity if you want to rededicate your life to Jesus today. Maybe you've lost focus. Maybe your relationship with Jesus Christ is stagnant right, right now. Maybe it's become something where you're living a super complacent life, where you're allowing other people, you're allowing your small group to pray for you. You're allowing your pastor to pray for you, whatever that might look like. And that those things are okay. 
But if that's the extent that your relationship with Jesus is going, it's not enough. Pastor Daylight, give us a challenge. Pick up your Bible and read it. Even if it's just 10 minutes a day, it is the living word of God. It will speak to you. Refocus today and fix your eyes upon Jesus. And so if you want to accept Jesus Christ into your life right now for the first time, if you want to rededicate your life, what I would ask you to do is to repeat this prayer after me. Dear God, I come before you right now. I believe in your son, Jesus. I believe that he died on the cross. And I believe that he rose from the dead. And right now, God, I receive your mercy, your grace, and your salvation. I commit my life to you. And Jesus, right now, I ask you to come live inside of me. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, can we give some hype in the chat right now for those people that have just accepted Jesus Christ into their lives? Or maybe you made a decision just now to rededicate your life to Jesus. You've been saying, I have been on a wrong road for a long time, but I needed to refocus. I needed to reshift because my life with Jesus has not been where it needs to be. Let's give some hype in the chat for those people that are refocusing right now and those people that are just accepting Jesus Christ for the first time into their lives. And hey, if you did that today, we want to be on this journey with you. We don't want you to do this alone. It's a big decision. And so this is something, it's not like it's the end of something. It's the beginning of something brand new in your life. And so, hey, we want to be able to help you on that journey, like I said. And so if you did make that decision today, or if you rededicated your life, if you can type exclamation point connect in the chat and fill out that form, what we want to do is we want to connect with you. We're not going to spam you with emails, but what I want to do is I want to connect with you. I want to be able to talk with you and give you some resources, help you with any questions that you might have. We want to know who you are because this is, like I said, this is the beginning of something brand new in your life. This isn't where it just ends. Hey, I made a decision. I'm going to go live my life the way that I was living it before. No, this is something that's going to transform your life forever. And we want to help you during this time in your life. And so please fill out that form. We want to be able to connect with you. But once again, hey, congratulations to those of you that have just made the most important decision that you have ever made in your life. And I promise you, you're gonna be more fulfilled than you ever have been before in your entire life. It's an amazing decision. I made it a long time ago and I've never, never regretted it.